Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. My name is Frank. I'm the oldest pastor here. And the youth pastor. I don't know if that is a confusing thing, but um, I want to thank you for coming today. I, I'm just, uh, we're not in it yet, but how many of you uh, talk to yourself? Okay. And uh, how many of you actually argue with yourself? Okay, there's, there's a few of us. Uh, sometimes I have what they call S-M-H-A-M. If you're cool, you know what that is, right? Shaking my head at myself. You like that? That's new. You can use that because sometimes I just shake my head at myself and I just, I wonder to myself, who are you? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you thinking? So um, I, I want to start that by saying, even though this is intended to be a sermon, uh, I want to change the title just a little bit and I want to share with you how I hardened my heart. Uh, not necessarily your heart. Uh, but I want to look at myself. So in a weird way, even though this is a sermon, I also want it to be a testimony because I want you to understand uh, my heart. Now, mind you, there's not going to be a confession at the end of this that will be devastating to the church or to my own personal reputation. But I just want you to understand that as we work through this, I am speaking to myself. I, I really am because it's a place where I find myself and it's a place I don't want to be. So as we get ready for that, I'm just going to ask you to be open to listen, which means there might be some things that initially you, you hear and you go, hmm, that eh, doesn't sound right. Hopefully by the end of it, as it all comes together, there's an understanding of where I'm coming from as I talk to myself and work through that in my relationship with God. So let's pray. Our Father, you are in heaven, and we are not. The reality, probably, many times throughout the day, we should just stop and listen. Which, of course, you know is hard. Because there are so many things going on in our lives. So many things that we are working through, frustrated with, angry about. And can't stop. My prayer now is that even throughout the whole service today, that your voice is clear. Let me hear. I know I need to hear. Show yourself to us. We need to hear. And I pray this in Jesus' name. All right, now I know most people don't have note-taking capabilities anymore. We usually use an iPad or our iPhones or what have you. So just to get started, whether you have a piece of paper or your iPhone or your iPad, I want you to write now, take about 30 seconds because it's going to come to you right away. And I want you to write down one thing you know that God is 
either asked you to do or not to do, and you keep disobeying. One thing you know that God has either asked you to do or not to do, and you keep disobeying. All right, so I'll give you about 10, 15 seconds to do that. Be honest. You don't have to show it to somebody. If it's something deep and dark, put it in code. You could write, find my happy place. But you know what it is. Because I think that's important. I'm going to tell you my issue. My issue is this. My issue is, and I mean this wholeheartedly, in a wrong way, but truthfully, is I have found myself, in my heart, in a bad place. I am angry, and I have become defensive. And I want you to catch that, because it deals with relationships. Now again, there's no great big revelation here. I am not in a place of getting a divorce. I am not in a place of getting into fist fights with people. I'm only telling you, because this is where I want you to see where my heart is headed. And if you're on this journey with me, my hope is that all of us who are on this journey, as we see our hearts getting hardened, will say, this needs to stop. This needs to stop. Because I think to me, God has asked me to be neither angry. God has not asked me to be angry or defensive. So I want to look at Jeremiah. So why don't we open to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. Chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 10 and 12. And the first thing that I want to share with you today is when I'm thinking about how my heart became hard, the first thing that I did was that I presumed God's goodness. I presumed God's goodness. In other words, I just felt God is good. I'm good. We're all good. In verses 10 through 12 of Jeremiah chapter 8, read this way. From the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed at all. They didn't even know how to blush. And, and I want to stop there because what is going on here, if you look at the context, the whole context, the general context of the book of Jeremiah is pretty simple. The people have not listened to what God has said. God has said clearly, stop worshiping other gods. Stop. Not once, not twice, many times over. And now this book of Jeremiah has brought us to a place, the end literally for you here in Jerusalem is near. Judgment is coming. It's coming. I'm assuring you that if you don't turn from your ways, judgment is coming. But the prophets and the priests were like, no, what Jeremiah is telling you is not true. God says, peace, peace. Come on, people, peace. God loves us. And that's true, right? God does. God loves his people. But that's not the message that God was sharing to them. They, in essence, were basically lying about what God was saying. They really felt, you know, this God judgment thing, it's not going to happen. And I, and I don't know for sure, but I've been told there are at least three reasons. The first one is that they believed in God's covenant. 
In other words, God made a covenant with his people. And that covenant was, you will be my people, I will be your God. So we're family. Family stays together. And they were probably thinking, listen, we are God's children. So really this judgment, it's not coming because God really loves us. But also because in Jerusalem was the temple. That's where God lived. I mean, if this is God's house and this is God's city, then how can God bring the Babylonians to our place and mess everything up and destroy the city and judge us? That's nuts. There's no way what Jeremiah is saying is right. I like what this guy's saying because he's saying, peace, peace. But the third thing is, from experience, they'd already learned. When the city was besieged under Hezekiah, and when that big army was coming for Jehoshaphat, what did they learn? When they trusted God, their enemies melted away. So I'm thinking, and they're thinking, they're presuming that God is saying, listen, I know that I'm saying judgment, but really, don't worry about it. Uh, Sometimes my parenting is like this, in in, in essence. You know, when you tell your kids, listen, if you don't do this, I'm going to take your cell phone away for a year. You know what I'm saying? Come on, really, am I going to take their cell phone for a year? So, you know, it's kind of like, I'm mad at you, so mom sees I'm mad at you, okay? All right, you get it? Um, For a year. Have I ever done that to you? Give me your cell phone now. I'm done with you. No, right. She's going, I'm not going to do it in the middle of public. So they're probably thinking, okay, yeah, God's a little mad, but really? Ruin the holy city? Ruin the temple? Take us into captivity? Come on, Jeremiah. Who are you kidding? And so they presume God's goodness. I feel similar. I feel similar. I've been adopted into God's family. As a parent who's adopted children, I have five blessings. Two of them we chose. I find them blessings every day. I wake up in the morning and I say, I am so glad that you, God, gave me and my wife the opportunity to parent these two lovely kids. So I think, God, I'm adopted, man. The way I, well, I don't call a man, obviously, but you can see where my conversation is going. But, and that says, as I love them, they do things wrong, but I still love them. They know judgment coming. And I think, is it not true? that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit? Why would God let my heart get hardened? There's no way. The Holy Spirit is within me. And let me tell you this, how wonderful of a guy that I am. So sit back and listen. This is a great journey. First of all, every third Saturday, I go to Willow Creek Church and I feed the poor. People who are in need of food, I'm there. If I'm not there, it's because of a meeting. I think that's pretty wonderful. I have given water to myriads of people. They're at the office, workers outside, outside, give them water. I give water. The guys that are sitting on the edge of the highway, I give them water. I think that's pretty nice. I have helped many strangers who've experienced car troubles. You know, someone on the side of the road, I sit there and think to myself, if that were my wife, I'm going to stop. I hope someone would stop and help her. So I stop. I help people all the time. I stop. Think about this. I've given a tremendous amount of clothes to the Salvation Army. I'm always giving clothes away. I I get dressed by my wife and eventually give that clothes away, but I give it to people. (laughs) I visit people in hospitals. I visit people in prisons. In fact, about two weeks ago, I visited a prisoner in a hospital because they finally gave him surgery. And you know what? I am so good 
that only two people were allowed to go visit him in the hospital, and I was one of them. His son couldn't even visit him. So I'm telling you, I'm a wonderful guy. I take care of widows and orphans, as you see. I've tried to protect the weak in the fight against human trafficking because I've been involved in those kind of ministries. And I have forgiven people who have hurt me because I don't seek revenge. And above all else, I have a really tender heart. When you tell me your pain, I feel it. I feel it. Now, what do you think? Right? Pretty good? Just say yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think think that's pretty good. So when I'm sitting there going, how does my heart get hard? My answer, it is, it cannot. My heart cannot get hard because I'm telling you, look at all the good things that I do. And that's not even all of it. And yet, the Jews in Jerusalem were saying what? Look how good we are, man. Covenant, people, family, the temple. Look at all the times that you've rescued us. I think if I were having a conversation with myself or even a conversation with Jeremiah, my thoughts would be something like this. I figure I've been working so hard for God that God should give me a little bit of slack. It's about time. Take it easy on me. Let's kind of, like, like MJ said, you know, there's that weighing of the scales, right? Some people weigh the scales if I do a lot of good or whatever it is. And so my thinking is, you know, I can't get a hard heart because if we weigh the scales, man, I'm in a good place. Because I've done all these things. And I think Jeremiah would say, brother, you speak of peace, and yet in your heart, What do you really feel? Do you really feel peace? Or do you feel angry and defensive? Okay, Jeremiah. I feel like you should get thrown in the well. Just like they did back then. Because right now you're talking and I don't like to hear it. Because my heart is getting hard. I have presumed that if I can let this or these relational issues have their place, but the bigger place is, look at all the good things that I've done for God. Without recognizing that these good things that I've done for God have been overshadowed by the mountain of growing anger and defensiveness that is hardening my heart. So I say to Jeremiah, okay, fine. You're right. But I want you to understand something, Jeremiah, and it's this. The second thing to get a hard heart is sometimes I don't believe God's way makes sense. Sometimes I don't believe that God's way makes sense. In other words, God, you don't know what you're doing. Really, seriously, you don't get it. You don't live in this world, which is crazy. But let's go. Jeremiah 42. This is how this path continues. Let me read it for you. Jeremiah 42, verses 2 through 6. Here's what's happening. The Babylonians have come. They have wrecked Jerusalem. They have wrecked the temple. Judgment has happened. After this judgment that has happened, is there is a remnant that's left. Of this remnant, there is a remnant of the remnant that doesn't like what happened, and so they assassinate the Babylonian governor and kill a whole bunch of other people in the midst of it. These other remnants of the remnant comes along, saves the day, and now they're looking around and they're saying, okay, let's take in this picture. We are here 
in our land. The Babylonian governor is killed. Nebuchadnezzar's bound to be really angry with us. But you know what, Jeremiah? We want you to pray for us. So this is what happens. He says, pray for us. Jeremiah goes, listen. Let our plea for mercy come before you and pray to the Lord your God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few, as your eyes see us, that the Lord your God may show us the way we should go and do the thing that we should do. So Jeremiah responds. He says, listen, I've heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your request. And whatever the Lord answers you, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said, may the Lord be true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to the word which the Lord God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you. That it may be well with us when we obey the voice of our Lord our God. In other words, this is an ugly situation. Jeremiah, go back. You pray. What does God want us to do? And the people go, you know what? You pray and whatever you come back with, we will do it. We're going to do it. We've learned our lesson. Because we remember saying, Jeremiah, you're nuts. God's not going to bring judgment. Now we see the judgment. But now we're in this really bad spot. So you go pray because somehow you have a connection with God. Because what you say God says, because you never said peace, peace, judgment is coming, it's come. We trust you, man. We trust you. Go pray. Slip down to verse 7. It says this. At the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So he summoned the people. Slip down to verse 9. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent of the disaster that I did to you. Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not fear him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. I will grant you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and let you remain in your own land. In other words, listen, here it is. If you stay, you'll be all good. Trust. I love you, man. You're my people if you stay. However, verse 13, but if you say we will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God and saying, no, we'll go to the land of Egypt where we will not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet or be hungry for bread and we will dwell there. Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you set your faces to enter Egypt and go live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine with which you are afraid shall follow you close after you to Egypt. And there you shall die. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, you have two choices. Your choice today is you can obey God and live. Not good circumstances, obviously, because you're under the occupation of the Babylonians. Or... You could say, forget it and go to Egypt and die. And the response of the people, if you slip over into chapter 43, is a most excellent response. Verse 43, chapter 43, verse 1. When Jeremiah finished speaking to all the people these words that the Lord their God had said to them, they fell on their knees and worshipped the Lord wholeheartedly. For their trust was in him, he who was their rock and their refuge and their stronghold, he who would neither leave them nor forsake them. 
hey, we don't have the verses up there. That doesn't work if the verses aren't up there, man. Either way, that's not what it says. Are you reading along with me? In other words, let me just put it this way. I'll summarize it. The people said, Jeremiah, you're nuts. What you're saying, Jeremiah, doesn't make sense. You want us to stay here in our land when Nebuchadnezzar's got to be ticked off. And when Nebuchadnezzar brings his people and the next governor, you think they're going to go, hey, you know what? No harm, no foul, whatever, all good. No, he's going to come, and he's going to whoop us. So, you know what? Thanks for praying, but we're headed off to the land of Egypt. Very symbolic of, you know what? Trusting God? Man, that ain't happening. We're going to go back to the land of slavery, where our ancestors came from, because there we'll be safe. God says, no, you will not be safe. If you want to be safe, (coughs) listen and obey. You want to go to Egypt and your heart is going to harden. Your heart will harden. In the midst of relational conflict, one night, as I was thinking to myself, talking to myself, arguing with myself, arguing with God, yelling at God, doing all these things, I finally said, God, I I'm in trouble. I need help. Tell me three things. I'm begging you, please give me three things that will help me avoid hardening my heart. And he gave me two. And I probably wasn't listening to the third until later on. Maybe I wasn't even ready because I wasn't even ready for the second one. But the first one was just change a little password. So I changed the password, no big deal. Man, I am walking with Jesus. I'm in glory. Until he goes, drop the charges. So I'm not Verizon. I'm not AT&T. I'm not Sprint. What do you mean, drop the charges? That doesn't sound good, God. What do you mean by drop the charges? And it's clear. In other words, he says, listen, you're angry because you've been offended. And in that, you become defensive. And all these things are working in your life. But I'm telling you, drop the charges. Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. This person, these people, have been hurting and offending me. I'm angry. I'm right. Don't you get it? I mean, God, I know your heart. I know you see everyone. I know you see everything. I know you understand where I'm coming from. I didn't hear... Something like, oh, I never thought of it that way. In my own mind, what I heard is, I think God understands pretty clearly where you're at. And because of that, drop the charges. Quit arguing with me. Do you want to stay here in the land where it's going to be rough and difficult, but one day I will prosper you? Or do you want to run over here into your own land where you think you're right and let your heart get hardened? Or are you going to drop the charges? Are you going to drop the charges? So I said, fair enough, God, I'll drop the charges. Easy. I have never had a problem with anger since then. Do you believe me? Just say no. No, you don't believe me. What? God, that does not make sense. Jeremiah prayed for 10 days. Came up with this plan to stay here? That's nuts. 
God, your way does not make sense. And now, God, you want me to drop the charges. So I had to learn how to drop the charges. Even if I feel that I'm right and justified in not doing so. I was listening to something on Facebook yesterday, and this guy said, how to win your wife back in five steps, which, you know, I mean, don't, don't connect docs, but just, I figured I would listen to it. It's pretty interesting. And the first thing he says is, man, if you, you want to win your wife back, drop the rage. And I said, how does, this, what, I don't even know where this comes up on Facebook, and why do I have to be listening to this now when you're telling me drop the charges and drop the rage? I'm angry. Come on, man. Drop it. Why don't you drop the charges? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm still here, so I, I think it's okay. If lightning strikes, man, you know, man, finish this. You finish this if lightning strikes. Drop the charges. I've got to learn how to drop the charges. Why? Because when I come to God and I say, God, I am sorry. God does not say, I have told Hold you a thousand times and you never listen. You're crazy if you think I'm dropping the charges. That's something God would do. See what I'm saying? Drop the charges. Drop the rage is what God was saying to me. And then I was reading this book called Soul Care. And the guy said, listen, don't defend yourself. That's the third thing. Right then and there I knew. Don't defend myself. Why? I looked at my heart, and my heart was growing hard. My heart was growing angry. My heart was growing defensive. My heart was growing bitter. I was seeing it happen, justifying all the reasons why I needed to speak up. And then it comes here, don't defend yourself. That does not make sense. Come on, God. You and I know that what this person did was wrong. It was uncalled for. But now you not only ask me to drop the charges, but don't defend myself? Am I supposed to sit there like a weak man and let somebody crush me under the weight of their own offensiveness? No way. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in an argument with your wife or your husband and you start defending yourself? Does that work? Well, you did this. Ah, but you did this and it's worse. Whoa, but I haven't started, brother. You did this and it was even worse. No, you are even worse. And then you go, go oh, hey, you're right. Oh, I love you, honey. Come here. Right? That's how it works. Amen? Why are you shaking your head, brother? Because it doesn't work that way. That's the whole point. The, the scripture says, pursue peace. As long as it is possible with you. That's in every relationship. As long as it's possible. It's not always possible. But stop. God's saying to me, stop defending yourself. Your heart is growing hard. Of course, I would say, no, God is growing tender. Don't you see how I care for people? God is saying, no. Not that that's an illusion. It's real. But there's a bigger problem here. Your heart is growing hard because you're letting your anger get the best of yourself. You're refusing to drop the charges. And on top of that, you keep defending yourself. So here I am. If I were talking to Jeremiah, I would say, Jeremiah, your message does not make sense. If someone is wrong, shouldn't we correct them? Shouldn't we correct them? Jeremiah might say something like this. Well, how did Jesus respond when he was treated unjustly? If you go into 1 Peter chapter 2, frightening words. 
Jesus was silent. And I think to myself, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Take my side, please. What do you mean he was silent? Think about it. If Jesus wanted to bring an end to what was going on on the cross, he could have said, it's over. I'm coming down and my boys are coming from heaven. But he didn't. He remained silent. And crazy thing is, he dropped the charges when he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. He dropped the charges. Did he defend himself? Did he sit there and make a case for why he's the Son of God? The things that he did were things of God? No, he remained silent. My answer to Jeremiah is, oh yeah, that's cool for Jesus, but let's think about that. Isn't that a little bit unrealistic? Because admittedly, sometimes when we get into conflict, the other person is wrong. And so now what you're telling me is that I need to be silent? This is where I want to remind you, I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to myself. I want you to hear what I I think God is really teaching us through his word. But what I'm hearing God say to me is, if so-and-so does it their way, that's fine per se, but I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Just looking around me, sexy, my wife or kids, there's somebody behind me, but he says, no, I'm talking to you. Drop the charges. Drop the charges and don't defend yourself. You want a hard heart? You keep defending yourself. You keep bringing up the charges. Dude, drop the charges. Don't defend yourself. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you're out there and you leave here and think, man, that was crazy. The only thing the guy was saying was, you can't say anything. I'm not saying that. Because the difference between me and Jesus is this. Love. You see, Jesus was silent in love. And judgment had come one day. He would set things right. It'll get taken care of. But for me, when God was speaking to my heart about this, it was pretty simple. There is no love. There is you seek vengeance. It's not even a matter about proving that I'm right, in my own eyes at least, but I want to get even. And so there's, 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 this is why I'm, I'm encouraging you. Sift through this and understand what God is saying to us through his word, but understand as my personal experience, this is what God is telling me. Clearly. I cannot leave here today and say otherwise. But he would say, yeah, I get that. In time... You will be defended. But right now, drop the charges. Now, here's the last thing I want to say today. And this is what I'm afraid of or what I fear the most. I fear that I will get to a point where I refuse to do what God says. We've been following in Jeremiah, right? And all through Jeremiah, God is saying, come on. Come back. Come back. Because if you don't, i got to bring about judgment. Come back. Every step of the way. God is speaking to his people. They end up in Egypt. Turn to chapter 44, verses 15 and 16. They're in Egypt. And what are they doing in Egypt? They're worshiping false gods again. God, because he loves his people and wants them to come back, he says, come back. Repent. Turn from your ways. And it'll be good. But if you don't, judgment is coming. And here's the response. Of the people. Then all the men 
who knew that their wives had made offerings to other gods. And all the women who stood by, a great assembly, all the people who lived in Pathros, in the land of Egypt, answered Jeremiah, and these are chilling words. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. We don't care anymore. God shmat, as far as we're concerned. We don't care anymore. The hardness of their hearts had finally hardened completely. And history will show, other than a remnant, that these people will once again face judgment. So if you're out there thinking, man, this is just kind of like an Old Testament thing, it's not. It's a New Testament thing. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, <coughs> we are called not to let the root of bitterness take hold in our lives. Why? Because it will harden our hearts. It will harden our hearts. That bitterness will grab a hold of us so much so that as it grabs my heart, everything that people are saying to me suddenly becomes an attack. And now I have to defend myself. And suddenly you're beginning to think, is this someone who's for me or or someone who's against me? All the while, none of that may actually be intended, but it's because God has said, deal with this. And I'm not. God has to deal with it. And I'm not. They must know. The people basically said, yeah, we're not going to listen. We don't care. So what? What? It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing. Where Jesus can turn to the church at Ephesus and say, y'all are good. But if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. That can mean a whole bunch of things. People take it a whole bunch of different ways. This is a New Testament thing. It's a reality. Brothers, sisters, as I speak to myself, as I see how my heart can harden, the same thing that I would say to you is yours can harden as well. If God has been speaking to you about something and you know you need to do it, whatever it is, stop and start doing it. Because in truth, Scripture teaches us that you reap what you sow. It's kind of like if I, had, if I were playing with matches in my house one day and a fire started and eventually the house burns down. I can't stand outside my house and say, you know what, God, you told me not to play with matches. I'm really sorry. And let's, the house comes back. No, there's consequences. There are consequences when God's people refuse to do what God has asked them to do or to stop doing what God has asked them to stop doing. And the thing I walk away with is that God, in all of this, keeps coming back to his people, almost on his knees begging, not because he's a needy beggar, but because he loves us. And he says, come on. Come on. Stop doing that. Or start doing this. Because as we learn in, in, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, you want to know my love? Then do what I say. I've been looking at my life and saying, man, I haven't really felt that deep presence. I feel God's presence. There's always this conversation, but really feel that presence. Like, really feel the weight of God. It's been a while. Why? Because I've been fighting this fight with God for a while. And I tell myself, peace, peace. And God says, no, there is no peace. If you want peace, do what I say, even though it doesn't make sense. 
Drop the charges. Stop defending yourself. Start loving with that tender heart that I've given you. How did I get to this place? About three weeks ago, and this, I want to finish with this, so if you're sitting there going, man, this is taking forever. About three weeks ago, I officiated a wedding in uh, Los Angeles. And, uh, and, and being in Los Angeles, I was by myself. And uh, I'd gone to the beach with another family uh, from my first church. Hanging out with them was really fun. And uh, I get back, and, and something in me was just angry. I was angry. And I took a 45-minute shower. Have you ever taken a 45-minute shower? If you ever get a chance to go somewhere as a hotel, because the reason I took a 45-minute shower, first of all, not only was I really angry, as you can tell, but it wasn't my water. I was not paying for it. I'd love to do that every day, but in the morning, man, I'm sitting there going, like, oh, man, there's like another quarter or another quarter. I'm getting out of here. 45, I promise you, 45, I have never been so angry. Me, I mean, I'm, and please don't, if you, if you can avoid this, but I'm just mad. I'm screaming, yelling, hollering, and just for 45 min, minutes letting it lay out. And, and here's three things that I think that I left with. First thing God said was this. Get off the crazy train. Get off the crazy train. How many of you are Ozzy Osbourne fans? Right? Get, shame on. It's get off the crazy train. What's the crazy train? Moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. And God is saying, dude, stop. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still. Know that I am God. Stop. Stop. 45 minutes of violent anger with the words of, dude, get off the crazy train. Stop and know that I am God. And I felt at that moment, here's a breakthrough. Not perfection. I still struggle with it. But breakthrough. Stop. Why? Because another thing happened. I heard these words. Psalm 55 verse 22. Cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. How many of you are Leslie Phillips fans? Oh, come on. Does anyone know, even know who Leslie Phillips is? Okay, you're a Christian. Anybody else? <laughs> Leslie Phillips, Christian singer. You know, it's, it's that song that, 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 that pumps. You know, it's, it's that... Trust in God. Cast your cares and he will sustain you. What do you mean he will sustain you? In other words, drop the charges, stop defending yourself, and God will take care of it. Don't worry about it. There's a bigger picture here. And the one thing I liked about what this guy said yesterday, he said, if you're struggling in something, look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. If your church is fighting over what kind of carpet we should have, think about it. There's a kingdom out there. Who cares about what the color of the carpet is? Think of the bigger picture. So here, cast your cares, and he will sustain you. And then finally, from Ephesians chapter 1, I've started praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Wisdom and revelation. Who are you, Jesus? I talk about you. I teach about you. But who really are you? I need to see you like I used to see you. Because I don't want this hardened heart. I want to tender heart, a heart that gets tenderized by being in your presence. I want want to be tenderized by a heart that casts my cares, and there are a lot of them, and some of those cares are honest to good anger that I have twisted. Because hear me, you probably have been offended, and the other person probably is wrong. And that's not good. I'm not excusing that. I'm not calling for abuse. But what I'm saying is, as God speaks to me, look at your heart. Look at your heart. 
Cast your cares and trust. It's hard. It doesn't make sense. We live in a world where power matters, and you're giving up power. You can't do that. And the answer is, that's why I need a clear revelation of Jesus, because he gave up all power to die on that cross for people like us, for people like me. I'll be honest, I've been a, June 1st was my 31st anniversary of being in pastoral ministry. Last year I wrote RIP, like people were thinking rest in peace, like I was dying or I was retiring. And Don't you guys understand lingo? Really is providence, RIP. What's so hard about that? I'm telling you, man, it is truly providence that I stand before you today. Not because of my goodness. All those things that I talked about, even doing them, great. But if there's a hard heart, null and void. God's call to me, to me, because I'm preaching to me, is this. If I ask you to do something, do it. If I ask you to stop doing something, stop doing it. Because the peace that you're missing, the experience of God that you're missing, is there because you're not listening and obeying. And I've been reading Jeremiah for months now, and the one thing that I see is this. When God's people don't listen, even though God loves them in a reckless and unconditional manner, there comes a place where judgment does come. And for me, if I'm not careful, that judgment is a hardened heart. And no matter what I do, once my heart has been hardened, what really is there that's left? Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.